The American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. This is Jacob Yasha Schneider, editor of the American Journal of Respiratory and Critical Care Medicine, welcoming you to the American Thoracic Society's Blue Journal podcast. I would like to introduce Dr. Elliot Israel, Deputy Editor of the Blue Journal and Director of Clinical Research in the Pulmonary Division at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Welcome, Dr. Israel. Thanks, Yasha. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Brian J. Lipworth, Professor in the Division of Cardiovascular and Diabetes Medicine at Nine Wells Hospital and Medical School at the University of Dundee. He's also a member of the Asthma and Allergy Research Group. We will be discussing the important issues highlighted in his recent article that was published in the June 15th issue of the Blue Journal entitled Randomized Placebo-Controlled Trial to Evaluate Chronic Dosing Effects of Propanolol in Asthma. Welcome, Dr. Lipworth. Thank you. Brian, the article that you published was one that um, related to the question of the use of beta blockers in asthma. There had been some interesting data in mice um, that suggested the possibility that eliminating the beta receptor might actually be of use in asthma. And um, so let me start off with a question that I think a lot of our readers will be wondering. And we know that beta blockers actually precipitate asthma, and um, most of us have been taught that they should almost never be used in asthma. And so what was the underlying rationale for your study? Well, there are two things. Firstly, if you look at the story about heart failure, I'm old enough that when I was at medical school in 1977 at St. Andrews University, we were also told that uh, beta blockers were bad for heart failure. And at that time, one of the treatments for heart failure was giving beta agonists as positive inotropes. The clinical trials then for heart failure showed that when you give a regular beta agonist, it made things worse, uh, that patients died. Although acutely, if you give beta agonists for heart failure, patients improve. When you give a beta blocker acutely for heart failure, patients deteriorate. They go into uh, pulmonary edema and cardiac pump failure. But what they found was that when you give beta blockers chronically and you get over that initial hump by giving incremental small doses, that there were profound improvements in heart failure, morbidity, and more important, mortality. So using that model and using Richard Bond's data from the mouse model showing that beta receptor knockout mice don't develop the asthma phenotype when given a repeated antigen challenge, and he also showed that uh, when you give beta blockers like Nadalol, a non-selected beta blocker, which blocks the beta-2 receptor in mice who are normally expressing beta-2 receptors, that they don't develop the asthma phenotype either when antigen challenged. When you combine those two findings, we thought, well, maybe we need to do a study, a randomized placebo-controlled trial, to see whether if you give beta blockers chronically, using the lessons learned from heart failure in terms of slowly titrating the dose, and you switch off the beta receptor or block the beta receptor, whether patients might actually experience an improvement in airway hyperresponsiveness, which was the primary outcome. Now, I should add at this juncture that there had already been an open-label, non-placebo-controlled study, also from uh, Richard Bond's group, published by Hanania in Pulmonary Pharmacology Therapeutics, and then a follow-on study published in the European Respiratory Journal, showing that with Nadalol open-label, that that actually improved airway hyper-responsiveness by more than one doubling dilution in terms of attenuating uh, methacholine challenge, albeit in steroid-naive patients. 
So we thought that when we were going to do this particular study with propranolol as our chosen beta blocker, that we would do it in patients already taking inhaled steroid because we had ethical concerns about giving a beta blocker to steroid naive patients. Okay, thank you. And um, so there appears to be a fair amount of data that suggests that use of beta blockers might exert a salutary effect in asthma. By what mechanisms do you think those positive effects might be occurring? Well, when you look at the literature, and certainly in my dialogue with Richard Bond, who's been really helpful in developing this whole concept with me, what Richard said was at the time, and we're going back like three or four years ago when we got the initial grant from the chief scientist's office to do this, the hypothesis at that time that Richard proposed was that the drugs were not working as a neutral competitive antagonist, so that's the classical beta blocker theory that you have the ligand occupying the receptor which blocks the endogenous agonist which is epinephrine but the way it was working was that it was acting as an inverse agonist in other words it was switching off the constitutional activity of the beta 2 receptor and that's why he thought that it was having an effect in asthma now since then there has been some data in epinephrine depleted mice which has suggested that that may not be the case in other words the inverse agonism may not be the mechanism by which beta blockers would have a putative protective effect in asthma in terms of attenuating airway hyperresponsiveness. so i think that the jury is still out on inverse agonism there are other theories that have been uh, proposed i know that raymond penn has suggested that beta blockers may work for example through non-g protein uh, pathways inhibiting mediators for example like arrestin or erk and these are mediators which actually would tend to increase airway hyperresponsiveness. so if you have a beta blocker which inhibits these particular mediators like beta arrestin that might be another putative mechanism, albeit in mice, by which they may have an anti-inflammatory effect. But of course, that's unproven at the present. Could you uh, briefly review the design of your study? Yeah, we did a uh, placebo-controlled crossover study. So basically, patients were randomized to receive either propranolol in incremental doses using a, a sort of heart failure dose ramp protocol so that they would tolerate it better. So we didn't give them the maximum dose of propranolol, 80 milligrams straight off. They gradually increased the dose, and they were randomized to that in crossover fashion, and pointedly they got either placebo or propranolol in incremental doses as add-on therapy to their pre-existing inhaled steroid, and that was one of the requisites of the IRB. The IRB, what we call our ethics committee, said that patients had to be well-controlled on inhaled steroid to mitigate the risk of beta blocker-induced bronchoconstriction. And then at the end of the chronic dosing period, we did uh, bronchial challenge testing with either methacholine, and to look at a different pathway for challenge, we also did a histamine bronchial challenge as well. And we also looked at albuterol recovery post-challenge, because one of the questions is, is if you're taking a non-selective beta blocker, like propranolol or nadolol, and you have an episode of acute bronchoconstriction, and then you reach for your albuterol inhaler, will it work the same as normal? So that was a, a crucial question that we wanted to address from a safety mm -hmm. aspect. 
And how long did you treat these patients with the maximum dose of uh, propranolol? Well, the dose ramp was six to eight weeks, and they got the maximum dose for about four weeks, 80 okay. milligrams as the slow-release preparation uh, once a day. Do you recall um, uh, what percent were able to tolerate this ramp up? Uh, virtually all of the patients uh, were able to tolerate it, apart from one who got, uh, I think, who got a bit of hypotension. And what did your um, study show? What were the results? Well, the study showed that on the primary outcome for methacholine hyperresponsiveness, and the study was powered to show a one-doubling dilution effect on methacholine PC20, that there was no impact, so it neither made patients better nor worse. The mean doubling dilution difference was 0.04. And the same was found for histamine challenge. We didn't see any change, any improvement or deterioration in histamine challenge either. So for the primary outcome, in terms of the hypothesis of the study, which was obviously to show that patients might improve, in that regard, the study was negative, but they didn't get worse. And what happened in terms of the albuterol recovery that you were also looking at? Well, the, the albuterol recovery was partially blunted when you look at the propranol alarm compared to placebo, and there was about a 5.3% difference in mean um, FAV1 in terms of albuterol recovery at 20 minutes. And actually, the pre-challenge FAV1 was also blunted, although that was borderline uh, statistical significance, but it was 2.4% worse, the FAV1, while taking propranolol pre-challenge compared to taking placebo pre-challenge. I would add that although we did find a small worsening in FAV1, we didn't find any impact of propranolol compared to placebo on either asthma control using the Juniper ACQ or quality of life, disease-specific quality of life in terms of the uh, Juniper AQLQ either. And did you use any anticholinergics in this study regarding concern of non-effectiveness of the beta agonists in the presence of beta blockers? Yeah, during the dose ramp, um, patients um, got protection with uh, teotropium as a long-acting muscarinic antagonist. And then we did a challenge when the patients were either off teotropium or on teotropium. So we had a teotropium washout. And the bottom line was that when we looked at histamine airway hyperresponsiveness on teotropium or off teotropium, there really wasn't any difference. So propranolol didn't affect histamine challenge irrespective of teotropium. But we gave the teotropium just because we really were quite twitched up about doing this trial. As you can imagine, it, you know, it challenges clinic equipoise. You don't give beta blockers to asthmatics. So we really wanted to load the dice in our favor so that during the up-titration phase, which is probably the phase when patients are going to be at most risk from developing beta blocker-induced blocker constriction, that we would mitigate against that by giving the anticholinergic. As you mentioned earlier, you use propranolol as your beta blocker. Propranolol has specific properties, and which mechanism of action does propranolol address um, in relationship to the theoretical reasons that use of beta blockers might be useful in asthma? Well, it's a, a strong inverse agonist like nadolol. That's certainly been shown in a paper by Jill Baker from Nottingham in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology. So uh, if you believe that beta blockers are going to have an effect on asthma because it's an inverse agonist, propranolol is a reasonable drug to choose. Of course, it may well be that you know, though beta blockers improve asthma just simply by being neutral competitive antagonists and nothing to do with inverse agonism. In terms of inhibiting things like beta arrestin, 
and uh, in terms of arresting, inhibiting uh, ERK-dependent signaling. So these are G-protein-independent signaling factors, which would, if you like, increase inflammation. So blocking these would be anti-inflammatory. Then in that regard, propranolol isn't effective at blocking either the arrestin or the ERK-dependent pathways whereas other beta blockers, for example, uh, nadolol and timolol, are affected. So it's possible, I suppose, that if you did the same study in patients taking inhaled steroid and you compared it paired adding on nadolol and placebo, that that, I suppose, um, could be effective. However, you know, this is a putative pharmacological mechanism in terms of um, blocking arresting and ERK-dependent pathways so I think it's probably a big ask to suggest that if you did the same study with another beta blocker, that you would see a different result. And my next question was going to be what your thoughts were regarding the likelihood that alternative mechanisms of action, for instance, these um, ERK pathway or beta restin pathway mechanisms through which other beta blockers might work, might actually account for a salutary effect on asthma. I personally don't think it's, it's likely that that's going to be important, but if you speak to other people, maybe like Richard Bond or Raymond Penn, they think that that could well be important. But there's no, obviously no in vivo data in humans to either prove or disprove that uh, particular hypothesis. And is there any particular reason that you think that um, this may or may not be important um, in the possible mechanism of action? Um, well, you know, there are other drugs for the treatment of heart failure, for example, which, you know, don't particularly block those pathways, although having said that, you could argue that maybe those G-protein independent signaling pathways aren't particularly important in heart failure. Having said that, carvedilol, which is a non-selective beta blocker like propranolol and nadolol, actually stimulate these G-protein independent signaling pathways, i.e. arresting an ERK, and I'm, I know one hypothesis which has been suggested is that you know, G-protein stimulation, uh, sorry, G-protein independent stimulation of arrested and ERK signaling may be beneficial in heart failure, whereas mm-hmm. perhaps in asthma the complete opposite is the case. So I suppose, you know, until we actually see a placebo-controlled, randomized controlled trial looking at adding nadolol to, uh, to placebo, in persistent asthmatics, then, you know, we're we're still going to be in the dark regarding that. But I suppose it is possible that you might see a beneficial effect with one beta blocker due to a particular ligand-dependent signaling effect, but not with another. I think it's pretty unlikely. I mean, when you look at the opposite in terms of, you know, beta agonists and you look at the benefit-risk equation with beta agonists, there's really not much to choose between them. You can look at the other side of the coin. Any other um, thoughts or comments um, regarding your article? The other thing to say, perhaps, is that another reason that maybe we didn't see an effect of propranolol is that it's nothing to do with the signaling pathways involved with propranolol. It may be purely because the patients were already on inhaled steroids. You know, you can't see an improvement over and above inhaled steroid. You know, if they're already on an effective anti-inflammatory drug, which is damped down airway hyper-responsiveness, there's no further room for improvement. And that might be the most simple logical explanation because the previous studies that have shown an improvement with nadolol were in steroid naive patients so that's why i say i think that what's really needed now is probably a study with nadolol compared to placebo as add-on to inhaled corticosteroid therapy 
to see whether it was actually the inhaled corticosteroid which was you know, masking the putative beneficial effect of the beta blocker. Right. Another possibility might be to look at a, you know, at a step-down design, in other words, to taper down the dose of inhaled steroid to see whether beta blockers have a steroid sparing effect, if you like. And there are in vitro data, again in the mouse model from Richard Bond, looking at steroid sparing effect with nadolol and dexamethasone using the uh, antigen challenge model. So that's another possibility. It may be that you don't see an effect as add-on to inhaled steroid until you drop the dose of inhaled steroid. So that's a study that's worth doing, in my humble opinion, as well. There is a a current ongoing study actually being done first as a proof of concept in patients who are not on inhaled corticosteroids. And if that shows an effect, probably uh, they'll move on to the studies that you suggest. So thank you again for speaking with me today. Uh, I've been speaking with uh, Dr. Brian Lipworth, and today we discussed his article on the use of propranolol in asthma. And for more information regarding the issue, readers can find Dr. Lipworth's article in the June 15th issue of the Blue Journal. Thank you for listening.